Welcome to Living Stones Church. We pray that this message impacts and touches your heart in such a great way. Enjoy the message. And we're going to pick this psalm apart for a little bit today, and we're going to have a good time. Somebody say we're going to have a good time. While you're turning to Psalm 23, I want to ask you a question. What, what are some of your favorite childhood games? Zelda, hide and seek, there we go. Mouse trap. I like it. What is it? Technoball. Red light, green light. That's a good one. You're right. do, we, do we have anybody that, that, um, that liked Red Rover? You guys remember Red Rover? Yeah. That's like illegal now, I'm pretty sure. Like just because you're just like clotheslining people as they try to break it. I, I don't know about you, but I had a good time playing Red Rover as a kid. Any, and do we have any tag fans? Yeah. Tag, right? Um, so tag fans. I, I remember in tag, there was always this home base where you couldn't be tagged. You remember that? Where you like touch the thing, and if you're touching the thing, you're at home base. You can't tag me out. I'm at home base, right? Somebody say home base. Home base. Today's, today's message is going to be titled, A Seat at the Table. A Seat at the Table. We're going to have some fun today. Now, if you'd like to follow along, you can go in our Living Stones app. And in the Sunday portion down at the bottom, uh, you can click on the, uh, the Bible app link there. Or if you're in the Bible app, in the YouVersion Bible app, you can just search for us in the events and you'll find Living Stones Church right there in the Bible app. Um, but I've got all my notes in there. I'm going to be flipping back and forth from New King James Version to the, to the New Living Translation that we're normally in. But I like the way that the New King James says it better in this one, all right? So we're going to have some fun with that uh, and, and dive in. Are you ready? Let's do it. Psalm 23, verse 1. We're going to read a whole chapter of the Bible right here. Are you ready? All six verses. It's going to be so good. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us, that you care about us, that you know the situations we're in, and that you're going to speak to us today. Father, we give you permission to just break down the walls in our heart, the things that, that keep us from receiving your truth. God, those things that keep us out, that keep us starving, our souls starving. God, I just pray for those walls to break down right now and that we can receive your word today and that you speak to us in such an awesome and amazing way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I want to say hi to some of the people online. We've got the Van Tyne family watching this morning. Yes, they, they, you've got a fan club here, Van Tynes. Um, the Bush family watching out, in, out there in uh, Joshua Tree. I'm, I'm so sorry about the, the Minnesota Wild. I love you, brother, and, and uh, we'll, we'll hope for next year. Uh, we've, we've got guys out in Estonia. Come on, they're watching this morning. So good. Uh, Carolyn McKinney, we love you. John Hassler out in Muskogee, Oklahoma. They're watching, and so good. And, and Drew Urbasic out in Texas. Thank you guys for being a part this morning. We are excited to get in the Word today. So we're starting with the, the first three verses. I want to kind of 
dive into that one more time. In, in the first one, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's the first point this morning. I have all that I need because God is good. I have all that I need because God is good. Come on. We have everything that we need. Everything that we need. In Philippians 4, verse 18, it says, at that moment, somebody say at that moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from uh, Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and, in this, in this, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. I've got a question for you. What battles are you facing today? What battleground are you facing today? What are the things that you're, you're fighting through right now? What challenges are sitting at your doorstep? Come on, I know there's things coming to mind right now. Right now. And then the question comes in, do you know that you have all that you need because God is with you? Is anybody hearing me today? You have all that you need and then some. Somebody say, and then some. And then some. And then some. I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to dive into this one part really quite a bit. You can probably tell by the title where we're going to really just chew on stuff for a minute. But in, in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Somebody say prepare a table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What does that mean? What does that mean? Imagine, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is this is a pretty cool prop. We can make it smaller. Isn't that cool? That's pretty awesome. And you know what? I I sit here at the table in the presence of my enemies. God has prepared a table for me. What does that mean for a lot of us? The battle's happening all around you. Imagine for a moment the battles that I'm facing in my life are happening all around me right here on, on this stage area. For, for you guys, you're, you're sitting at that table and you're, you're, you're trying to have a meal and you're just listening to the clanging of swords. You're listening to the, all the gnashing of teeth, all the, the shouting and the screaming and the things that are happening in your life that are trying to tear you apart happening all around you. But God has set a table for you, a place where you can find sanctuary. Now, when it's talking about setting a table, it's talking about getting nourishment. It's a place where you can rest and get nourishment. Are you with me? He's prepared a table. In some translations, it says he's prepared a feast in the presence of my enemies. God is hooking you up right now. Are you with me? In the midst of all the stuff happening, you just go and sit at the table and enjoy a good meal. Enjoy, enjoy being refreshed. It doesn't mean that stuff stopped outside. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that all the things aren't still happening. The difference is, is he's given you a place to rest. Amen? But when I was reading this, now, how many of you have heard a sermon preached on this before? 
this 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 section. Yeah, we got we got a few seasoned people here, right? I got a question for you. Who are you inviting to the table? Who are you inviting to the table? Because, you know, you're sitting at this table, and God prepared the table for you. But you know what else he did? He also made you in charge of the guest list. He made you in charge of the guest list because all of a sudden I can be, I can be sitting here, and, and who did I invite to the table with me? I invited fear to the table with me. All of a sudden that place that should be peaceful, that place that should be refreshing, is now a place of anguish. What's, what's the topic of discussion at the table now that I invited fear into it with me? Ooh, that can be a tough one, huh? All of a sudden, what should be sanctuary, what should be peace, what should be refreshing, what should be sustenance is now this place of questioning, this place of fear, this place of uncertainty because we invited fear to the table. Is that crazy? You ever thought of it like that? God prepared it. He prepared the table for us. Maybe we invited sin to the table. That place of peace. All of a sudden, it becomes this place of, of hurt. It becomes this place of guilt, of shame. What should be refreshing has now become shame because I've, I've, in, I've invited sin to the table with me. Are you with me? That's a tough one, isn't it? We should be experiencing restoration. We should be experiencing sustenance, but instead we have a mix of guilt and shame. Maybe we invited bitterness to the table. Can't even rest anymore because you're, you're looking at everything through this terrible lens of bitterness. Come on. I know this is speaking to some people today. You're like, that's why I don't have peace. Yeah, the battle's happening around me, but God's prepared a table for me. And who did I invite but bitterness? Wow, bitterness is at the table with me. Bitterness is there and skewing my perspective and somehow makes me feel dissatisfied with the abundance that God has given me. You ever feel that? You ever feel that? I know I do. I know there's times where I'm like, God, why won't you come through for me? And, and then I look around my house and see how much he has come through for me. I look at the health of my boys and see how much he has come through for me. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I invited bitterness to the table with me. And all I can see is what bitterness shows me instead of the peace and abundance of what God has given me. Are you with me? Oh, I know this is, this is some heavy stuff today. It's a little bit heavy. Tell your neighbor it's heavy. We're, we're, eating, we're eating church today. Yeah, yeah, we're not drinking church. It's not something you can just slurp down real easy. You got to chew it up first. Are you with me? In 2 Timothy, verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 6, says, this is why I remind you. Somebody say remind you. This is why I remind you to fan the flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. We got to fan the flame. You see, <coughs> sorry, too often we're inviting the wrong people to dinner. We're inviting the wrong thought process to dinner. <coughs> you know who I need to invite to dinner? I need to invite Pastor AJ to dinner. Because you know what Pastor AJ will do when he's at dinner with me? He'll remind me. He'll remind me who I really am. 
He'll tell me, like, Pastor Justin, you can't be thinking like that. That's not who you are. That's not who God created you to be. All of a sudden, when, when he sees bitterness sitting next to me, he comes in and goes, that doesn't belong here. This is our sanctuary. This is our safe place. This is where we come together so that we can encourage each other in the Lord. Are you with me? There's something that happens when, when you invite the right people into your life. How many times do we go back to the old relationships, the old things, thinking we're going to get something different out of it? You don't invite those things into your sanctuary. There's a battle to be won, and it will be won. I don't know about you, but I've read the end of the book. We win. We win. Come on, somebody say amen. We win. But God didn't give me a spirit of fear, of timidity. He didn't give me that spirit. He gave me a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind of self-discipline. Are you with me? And God gave that to you too. He prepared a table for you in the middle of your enemies. Oh, my goodness. I, I, hope this, I hope this hits you this morning like it hit me. Yes, you can. Is that awkward? I'll invite another friend if you don't want to hang out with me. That's cool. It's all good, man. When God sets a table, he wants to remind you that he made who he made you to be. He didn't make you to be somebody that cowers. He didn't make you to be somebody that's afraid. He didn't make you to be somebody that's complaining all the time. He made you to be somebody who overcomes. He made you to be somebody who takes away excuses. Come on. He made you to be somebody that puts your past behind you and doesn't bring it to the table with you. Are you with me? That sets this thing aside. That realizes that the fight will never stop. The battle will continue. But if you don't get sustenance, and if you don't get rest, and if you don't get what you need, you will not be able to win the fight. We can't be bringing that junk to the table. Are you with me? God's got something good for you, but he also gave you the the ability to choose your guest list. Who are you bringing to the table with you? Is it going to be somebody that's going to speak into your life and tell you who you are, who you really are? Or is it going to be somebody who just criticizes you all the time? Are you with me? That, that critical spirit. Are you with me? There's something that shifts when you can have that encouragement in your life. Now, I'm not telling you, listen, if, if you need rebuking, you need rebuking. Are you with me? If you, if you did something wrong, it's okay to be like, hey, man, you jacked up because you, you, you rebuke in love. Are you with me? I, I've got a great group of people around me who rebuke me in love, and I'm grateful for it. It keeps me sharp. Are you with me? I love, I love contrary thoughts. Is anybody with me? Did you, did you know that, that contrary thought creates intimacy? It's okay to think different than the person next to you. Don't surround yourself with yes men. Are you with me? Don't surround yourself with yes men. If you've got too many people saying yes around you, you don't have enough contrary thought to be strong. You need to have contrary thought around you. It's okay not to, not to agree with everybody. Are you with me? I know there's a group of people in here right now that doesn't agree with me, and that's okay. It's awesome. It's a good thing. We shouldn't agree on everything. Amen? The more you surround yourself with strong people, you'll figure out that you don't know everything. Amen? Come on, somebody. Is anybody here today? I hope this is speaking to you. Point number two was, I will not give a seat to unwanted guests. I will not give a seat to unwanted guests. Who are you inviting to dinner? Who are you invited into that intimate place with you? You know why these guys love 
small groups so much because it's a group of people that will keep each other accountable, that will keep each other on fire, that keep their eyes on Jesus because any of us can get distracted. I'm going to share something with you that I'm excited about. Can I do that? So I met with, I met with a, a small group of our leaders this week and shared with them the news. Now, some of you have been praying for me lately about where's the church going? What are we doing next? You guys been praying? You've been diligent about that? So our lease on this building is up on June 25th, and we are not going to renew it. In, in faith. Yeah, yeah, I know I got a bunch of crazies in this church. We are not going to renew it. So you're probably going like, oh, well, do we have another building? No, we do not. No, we do not. I've been arguing with God for the last two months, saying, God, what I, heard, I hear you. You're saying get out of the building, but what does that mean? What is that going to look like? And I've come up with about ten different versions of what that could possibly look like. Anywhere from he can provide a building for us the last day that we're here and we just move into a new building and that's what God does, all the way to we're doing ministry in the streets all over the place and doing church in a cul-de-sac and anywhere in between, maybe a movie theater, maybe all these different things. But all he's said to me over and over again is get out, get out, get out. All the way to the, some of you were there for that service that the fire alarm went off when I, when I finally had the guts to tell the church to just pray for me about this thing. And 15 minutes before my sermon was done, the fire alarm went off, and I sat there and went, if there's any more of a sign to get out of the building than for the fire alarm to go off. Now, I know that this feels weird. I know it does. But listen, I'm, I'm a business guy. <laughs> I've, I've done business for most of my adult life. And I know that doing this is crazy and stupid in many ways. But you know what? When God says go, you go. You go. That, what would be more stupid, sorry Judah, what would be more stupid would be not to do what God says. That would be more stupid. Does that make sense? I know it's dumb to believe. Like, you're just going to leave? You're just going to step out? Listen, I, I don't mind doing this on my own for when it applies to my own life. Like, I'll step out in faith and give something, something to somebody that matters to me. And, but if he, God asked me to do it, hey, your last $100, give it to that person. No problem. But i got to be honest, why it took me so long for the last two months to say yes to God is because of you. Because I love you. And this is a scary decision that, that applies to you. And so I had to go like, well, God, show me, show me the dew on the grass but not on the rag. Are you with me, right? Show me. Okay, well, that could have been a coincidence. Show me the, the dew on the rag but not on the grass. Some of you know what I'm talking about with Gideon and as he's sitting in, in afraid and, and going, is it really you, God? I know how to hear God's voice but yet still questioned him for two months going, I don't. I don't know if I can do this, God. But whatever he wants to do, like I, I kept seeking leaders. You know, it says there's a wisdom in a multitude of counselors, right? I kept seeking leaders from other churches going like, somebody tell me this is dumb. Like this, this makes no sense. And every pastor that I talked to said, dude, that is flipping awesome. Do it. Go for it. And then I went and talked to our denomination because, you know, they're managing all of our stuff and making sure that I do all the right things, right? And I thought, they're for sure going to tell me that I've I'm, I'm lost my mind. 
And they said, we're 100% behind you. Go for it. Let's see what God does. I was like, I can't believe this. Like, where are my contrary thought people right now? Like, come on. Well, they all, they've all left over the last however many months. Amen. Because they wouldn't be able to do this. <clears throat> God's going to ask us to do some crazy things. And you've got to be willing. Who are you going to invite to the table? Who are you going to invite to the table? When God asks you to do something scary and you're fighting this battle, who are you going to invite to the table? Are you with me? Is this getting a little crazy? Hmm. Oh, my goodness. The last time I did something like this, well, maybe not the last time. I kind of do this stuff all the time. <laughs> but one time that I did this was uh, I, had, I went in and God had told me that we were moving to French Valley. And he didn't give me a place of where we were moving yet. I was just believing because God told me. And so I went into the leasing office and said, hey, I'm giving my 30-day notice. We're moving out. And they said, okay, well, what is your forwarding address? I said, I don't have one yet, but I'll tell you what it is when God gives it to me. And they said, sir, if you put in your 30-day notice, you will have to move out even if you have nowhere to move. I said, I know. I said, I'll give you the address as soon as God gives it to me. And then I went to our small group at the time, and I told them what I just did. And every wife in the room, come on, <laughs> looked at me like, you are the craziest, stupidest person I've ever met in my life. Now, they didn't say that, but there was, if there was a reader board on their forehead, like, that's what they were saying. Like, that is, that is dumb. Because how many of you, that's, that's too scary. There's, there's, no, there's no for sure thing. Like, you're being irresponsible with your family. But I'm not because I know him. I sit at the table with him. And he said to do this and trust me. You see, sometimes God asks you to do something that does not make sense so that he can prove again that he is God. So that whole group, as they watched and went, uh-huh, I said, I'm telling you this because you all are going to help me move in a couple of weeks. It's going to happen. And you know what? They were so excited to help me move when they were like, I can't believe God did it. I can't believe God did it. Now listen, we're going to get to experience this again right here as a church because it doesn't make sense to get out of a building when you don't have another one lined up. It doesn't make sense. And you know what? I started wondering, does God even want the church to be in the building at all? I started wondering, is that even... His vision for his church. I mean, if it was, wouldn't Jesus have just parked in Capernaum and told his disciples to go out to all the cities and told, tell them to come to Capernaum? Isn't, that's kind of how we do church today, isn't it? I, I, I hand out a bunch of cards and say, hey, guys, go and invite everybody to come to the church so they can be ministered to. But what if the church didn't have a building? What if the church really was the people and they didn't have to wait for something like COVID to happen to get out of the building? They just decided we're going to go and be the church instead of just talking about it. What would happen? Now, get ready for criticism. I know I'm going to take the blunt of it, of the criticism, because we're going to be called a cult because we're doing something different. We're doing something different. Jesus, Jesus was considered like a cult leader when he did his ministry. Now today, we, we live in the same cult mindset. See, the real cult is sitting in church and sitting in a pew and pretending like that's enough. That's a real cult. Come on. But he, he sent his, I mean, 
what kind of guy, thank you, what kind of guy takes, takes the people that are coming and hanging out with him and says, hey, listen, I'm going to send you into all these cities, and I don't want you to take any clothing with you, and I don't want you to take any food with you. I want you to learn how to trust God. Can you imagine if I told people to do that today? <laughs> Cult leader, weirdo, this is Jesus. I mean, if I would have come in and told you that there was this church down the street where a guy was telling his people to just go with no clothing, no job, no money, and just God was going to provide for them, you'd all think, oh, man, that's a weird cult down there. And then I would have told you that the leader of that cult was Jesus. Man, like where did we miss it? Where did we miss it as a church? Like I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be doing this forever. I don't know. It's up to him, right? All I'm doing is saying yes. Are you willing to say yes with me? That's the question. I know it's going to get crazy. It's, it's going to be weird. Listen, some of the people that are sitting next to you right now will not make it. They won't. Statistically, they won't. And you're, for those of you sitting next to your spouse, I pray that you'll still be good. You know, <laughs> One of you will make it. One of you won't. No, I'm just kidding. We got this. We got this. Why do we got this? Because of him. Because we're sitting at the table with him. What about when it's 115 degrees outside, Pastor? I don't know. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. We'll see what he does. We, I mean, we won't have to pay rent, so maybe we'll have just the, the snow cone machine out there with us. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're just going to do whatever he says to do and how he says to do it, and we're going to go get the church out of the building, stop waiting for people to come, and the church is going to go to the people. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be crazy good. Crazy good. I think one of the best things that ever happened at a church was COVID because it made them have to leave the building. When I talked to the, our denominational leader, he had said, we've, since COVID, we've had to try to figure out how to redefine success as a church because we always thought longevity and having a building and all those things was success in church. But we had 30-year-old churches closed down because they never stretched themselves and COVID broke them. People stopped coming to church. They didn't know how to do church online because they just had their 30, 40 people in their church and it had been there for 30 years. And this is just how we know how to do things. And so when I said, I, you know, I was really hoping that you would tell me I'm crazy and this is a dumb idea. And he's like, first of all, Pastor Justin, everything you've ever done has been following the Lord and he's always blessed it. So I'm not afraid of you doing this. He said, but on the other hand, I pray that this works. I, I pray that what you're doing, that God will bless it and he'll touch it so that we can show all these other churches that there's another way. There's another way. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to do this with you. I loved watching you cry up there, knowing how much your husband has changed. And not to mention Brooke. I mean, goodness gracious, Brooke the evangelist. God is doing something in the people who are willing to do something. Are you with me? I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. Let's go back to Psalms for a minute. Verse 23, or I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
Here's point number three. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Then, somebody say then. Then his goodness and mercy shall follow me. Then. It's when you dwell in the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? That's where we've messed it up. We think that the house of the Lord is four walls and all these cushy things to make it feel like a nice country club. It's not. The house of the Lord is sitting right next to you right now. It's the person next to you. See, when the Holy Spirit, when he said the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within the four walls of the church. No, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you and me. Jesus said, it's better that I go, that the Holy Spirit come. But yet, we've, 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 we've dumbed it down to just this place with good programs. This machine that hopefully makes good people. Come on. And we, we've, we've, we've neglected faith so that we can have a program. Anybody with me today? I know this is. Yeah. You know what? I took two months to process this. I expect you to have about about the same amount of time. Are you with me? Like, like there's going to be times where you're like, this is dumb. Like, why are we doing this? This is crazy. Why would anybody do something like this? And then other times you're going to be like, dude, this is going to be so awesome. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see somebody walking by a park while we're worshiping God. And they go, what's happening over here? And it just like when Jesus would, would preach in the streets and they'd, they'd walk by and see a crowd and go like, who is that? What is happening? Is, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Have you, have you heard? <laughs> you haven't heard what has been happening in French Valley? There's this crazy church called Livingstone church they actually believe what the god what, what the word of god says and they're just they're they're going after it it's, they don't care about how it feels and how comfortable it is or anything else they just want to reach the city oh my goodness what will happen what will god do in the midst of it i will dwell in the house of the lord then his goodness mercy shall follow me Whew. let's go over to hebrews for just a second for those of you that uh, you believe your husband should, should make, make coffee for you every morning, it's confirmed in the Bible right here in Hebrews. Are you with me? But Hebrews. It doesn't, it's not Shebrews. It's Hebrews. Anyway, sorry. You know, there's dad jokes and then there's pastor jokes. So bad. So bad. It's a new level of nonsense. Verse 25. Uh, chapter 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Invite them to the table. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, so many people during COVID were, were angry, and they're like, you, this is what the Bible says, don't neglect the gathering together. Can I be honest with you? Can I be real honest with you? This is going to be, this will probably make some of you mad. Pastors were saying this. Do you want to know why they were saying this? It's because when people didn't come to church, the building church, there was no money. So they started screaming scripture saying, don't neglect the gathering together. Why? Because I got to pay the bills. I'm just being honest with you. That's, that's what, like if, if we dumbed it all the way down, they might have preached that real passionate, but it probably came down to the fact that I've got this bill and this much tithe coming in and I need people to get in the seats again because this is too scary. And then you've got Living Stones Church that is doing the exact opposite, which is craziness. Like, we're getting rid of the building 
Do you know the risk factor? Like as a business guy, the risk factor of that? It's not good. But God. But God. Oh, we won't watch the tithes go down. We'll watch the tithes go up. We're going to watch the impact go up. We're going to watch people getting healed in, 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 a, in a park. We're going to watch people getting off of drugs and leaving their paraphernalia right there at the altar. Because we stopped caring about status quo and we started caring about people the way you're supposed to care about people. We stopped caring about these freaking chairs, man. Like, I, I, we're going to, you know, these are our chairs, right? Yeah, don't. These are our chairs, and, and we're leaving them out today so that the school can borrow them for, for their Willy Wonka thing that they're doing this week and next week. But these chairs, I mean, it's just a chair. This chair saved nobody's life ever. But the chance that somebody might sit in it and hear the word of God, that's all the chair's purpose is. All that a church building's purpose is, is to house the people, house the church, the people, for an hour and a half every week. What are we doing? What are we doing? Is anybody with me? Like, is anybody sick and tired of the same old thing? Church is a lot of talk. I've never heard more hypocrite things from a church, and I've lived it. I've lived it, you guys. I don't care if you come with me or not. I just know that I have to be obedient to the Lord. I just know. And when you come with me, we will get to see God do crazy things. When we're doing life together, seeking God together, worshiping together in the middle of our battles, then you'll have the right people together at the table with you. All of a sudden, You'll have these strong people who've seen God move. I've seen him move, and he'll do it again. Show me something impossible, and I'll show you God saying, I'm possible. He can do it, and he will do it. Because that's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. The church is so much more than a building. His church is what he's coming back. Can you imagine if, if church was just a building, Jesus was coming back for all these buildings? No, he doesn't even care about them. Why did he not go and park himself at a building? Why? I never asked that question. In 15 years of ministry, I never asked that question. Why didn't he do that? I've just been doing what the person before me did and the person before them did and the person before them did. And the church hasn't changed in hundreds of years. It's been the same thing over and over, this, this place where people go. And is it wrong? No, I don't think it's wrong. I think people are going to go to heaven and it, it's, it's a good thing. But, but where, did, where, did, where did we come up with that? Neglect the gathering together. It's, it's me hanging out with you and doing life together. And when things get tough, we, we, we pick each other up. Not just, hey, I didn't see you at church on Sunday. Where you at, man? I, I thought we were going to get chicken afterwards. Come on. That's all church has become. It's just a social gathering place. That's not what Jesus is coming back for. 
He's coming back for people who will know him, love him, experience him, have real faith. If I get accused of anything, I pray it's I had real faith. And if nobody gets it on this earth and I die one day and I get to go to heaven, at least if I hear that well done, good and faithful servant, that's all I need to hear. Amen. something special in this moment. I just I just want to stay here. When you have the right people at the table, you start having the right conversations. Conversations that tell you to press into God. Don't draw back. Conversations that say step out in faith. Not find a comfortable place to sit. Conversations that remind you of the promises God made to you. Surrounding yourself with living testimonies of what God did. Because the next time you face something that looks insurmountable, you'll be sitting next to a giant that says, this is what God did for me. And he'll do it for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blessed your life in such a powerful way. Come visit us here at Livingstones Church in person at Dorothy McElhinney Middle School in French Valley, California, every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. You can also watch us online on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Church Center, or at livingstones.tv. If God is using this ministry to touch and impact your life, and you would like to consider partnering with us in your giving, you can do so by giving in the Church Center app or by going to livingstones.tv giving. We hope you have a wonderful week.